What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission? At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders, from ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities. CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov slash careers. I got, I got, I got, I got loyalty, got royalty inside my DNA. Hope you had a fantastic weekend. Welcome into the Sacramento Kings podcast presented by Hoopball. I am your host, Damian Barling. I thank you so much for downloading, streaming. Thank you so much for listening. And most of all, I thank you so much for subscribing. If you're not a subscriber yet, man, what are you waiting for? Basketball season is here. We got actual games in the book. Now, preseason games, but still, we've got actual basketball here to talk about. We don't want you to miss a single episode. We've we've got we've got the uh, preseason game coming up at the Golden One Center on Thursday. You don't want to miss out on that. Various conversations. I gotta get Brewski back on the show with me here. We're gonna have guests all throughout the season. So if you're a Sacramento Kings fan, and I assume if you're listening to this, you very much are. Make sure you tell all your other friends, share it on social media, Twitter, Facebook, all of your Facebook groups. Make sure everybody knows about the Sacramento Kings podcast presented by Hoopball here with your man, Damian Barling. Again, greatly appreciate you listening. The Sacramento Kings uh, coming back from India. Long, long flight back from India uh, with a zero in the win column. 0 for 2 uh, against the Indiana Pacers. I don't think anybody is looking at this as a, oh my gosh, what does this all mean? Of of course, maybe, maybe there are some people that are, but but we have real basketball in the front of us. We could talk a little bit about what we saw. I think there are a couple of things that are very much worth pointing out before we dive into the actual games. One, the Sacramento Kings had two and a half practices before they uh, headed to India. I don't think they did a lot of practicing when they got to India other than uh, maybe a brief shoot around the, the, the day before or the day of. Uh, the first game and perhaps a, a practice the day before. And I'm, I'm not even confident that that happened. I think they were taking in, you know, there was a lot of significance to this trip and we're all aware of it. There was much greater significance uh, far outside uh, preseason games. Uh, there was great significance for the Sacramento Kings owner, Vivek Ranadive and great significance uh, for the NBA in general to play their first games in India. And, you know, uh, David Stern started this trend. Adam Silver is very much behind continuing to grow the game of basketball across the entire world. So I'm sure Luke Walton, it's 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 clear that Luke Walton cared whether they won or lost. And I have to imagine that Vivek Ranadive desperately wanted to have his team that he owns win a game in his home country. Uh, and I'm sure Luke Walton was aware of that. I'm sure the players were aware of that. I mean, you, you don't have to look any further than the box score. Uh, from Friday here, it was Friday morning's game, and see that you know Marvin Bagley played you know damn near thirty minutes. Harrison Barnes played thirty four. De'Aaron Fox played thirty three. Like their big guns played big minutes, um, but still, I don't know what big of a deal this is. The only team that I know that played that practiced less was the Houston Rockets. I felt like the Houston Rockets. I think they opened up training camp uh, with a preseason game against Shanghai. So, again, take for this whatever you want. Uh, but there are some things of noting that I do wonder, oh, what do we got here? There's some positives. There's some negatives. There are some, some familiars. You know, both games, there was a lot. There's a lot to take away from both games. Let's start with this. Um, the team looked incredibly sharp, by the way. Let's start with the starters. Uh, starters the same uh, both days. 
Marvin Bagley, Harrison Barnes, Dwayne Dedman, De'Aaron Fox, Buddy Heald. Now, I point that out only because the lineup, particularly the one that ended uh, the Friday morning game, was different. The team that was playing in crunch time and into the overtime and through the overtime was different than the group that started it. It was it was still Bagley, obviously. It was Barnes. It was it was De'Aaron. It was Buddy. But instead of Dwayne Dedman, it was Trevor Ariza. And that caught my attention immediately. And I thought, okay, you got a veteran presence out there. And forgive me, Trevor Ariza, for thinking maybe you weren't the caliber of defender you were uh, five years ago, ten years ago, or whenever, because... He had a play there towards the end of regulation that probably should have sealed the game, but uh, I did. I swear to you, I saw Nate McMillan as the play was as 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 the game was going on, and Malcolm Brogdon crossed half court. I saw Nate McMillan call, trying to call the timeout. I just didn't think he got it. I thought Trevor Ariza swiped the ball away from him before the referees gave him the timeout. But in any event, they got the timeout. We know how that story played out, but the. So, so the 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 difference in the starting lineup and the closing lineup, I guess, if you will, that was something that caught my attention. Like, okay, no Deadman out there. You got Trevor Ariza, um, and that, that's not necessarily a positive or a negative. It was just a note, just something I jotted down. The FIBA guys looked really good, particularly on Friday. Uh, Harrison Barnes looked great. Bogey looked like he picked up right where he left off, and Nemanja Bjelica looked good. And we're going to get back to that conversation in a minute because he's going to factor into some, you know, some questions and some takeaways that I have uh, from this game. But I thought the FIBA guys looked really good. I thought the team looked sharp, uh, particularly there in the first quarter. I think they had uh, 39 points there in the first quarter. Uh, again, really, really sharp. Now, there are some positives and some negatives to the to the amount of points that they scored per quarter, uh, as in they scored 39 in the first, 33 in the second. 25 in the third, 21 in the fourth. So from quarter one to quarter four, they decreased. Similar with the game on Saturday, from quarter one, uh, headed into the fourth quarter, they decreased. They were down quite a bit. The game was for the the game was over in the fourth quarter. The Kings scored 34 points, but or excuse me, the Kings scored uh, 27 points in the fourth quarter. But through quarter one all the way to three, it was 30, 29. 20. So you saw that decrease again and it it goes back to the conversation that we had about, you know, Luke Walton talking about they can we could play faster than they played last year. Like there's another gear that this team can hit. Like, oh, great. Cuz they played really fast last year. The pace of the game was there. They were wearing teams out. But it also appears if you look at the the, the way that the the wins accumulated in the first part of the season versus the way they accumulated in the second part of the season, not only did they wear their teammates out, but perhaps they wore themselves out. And I thought Friday's game, the first game against the Pacers in India, was a perfect microcosm of last season where you saw you know, a ferocious start. Defensively, no, they weren't good. But it was like, yo, they put up 39 points. Then you had Yogi hitting that ridiculous shot at the end of the first half, which sent their uh, total of points to 72. So you're looking at, oh, first half of the season, 72 points. Man, Luke Walton wasn't playing. Luke Walton was dead serious. He was talking about getting to 35 threes again. They got to 36 in that game. It took overtime, but they got to 36. So you, you start to, you know, you t- take what you heard from Luke Walton. You take what you saw last season. You watch the first half of Kings basketball, and you think... Aha, 
ha ha, we got something here. He he was right. This this team can still play fast. Hell, I was wondering whether Luke Walton proclaimed it or not. I wondered if the team could keep the same pace that they did last year. Like this is difficult. They're playing at a at an incredibly fast rate. We saw that they couldn't they couldn't finish the season the same way they started. Now I don't know if that was a conditioning thing. I don't know if that was a film thing because you know I don't know if you're aware of this, but there's there's a bunch of other teams in the league with a bunch of other coaches who get paid to study the other team. So I didn't know if it was, well, the Kings kind of wore themselves out or the other teams figured them out. And to Nate, I think Nate McMillan is a fantastic head coach. I think Nate McMillan is, is a, you know, for lack of a better term, he's a fantastic defensive coordinator as well. Like he really understands the nuances of playing defense in the NBA. So from the first half, to the second half, I thought that's that's what I thought the change in the game was. I'll give a hundred percent credit to Nate McMillan. I don't think the Kings wore themselves out. I don't think they were sloppy. N- nothing like that. Well, they were sloppy with the ball. There were there were far too many turnovers, and in, in particularly uh, with the game on on Friday. But I'll give credit to the Pacers getting back into that game and and then the Pacers ultimately winning that game to their head coach, Nate McMillan, obviously the personnel out there on the court, but Nate McMillan's a really good defensive coordinator, really good defensive coach. He's a great head coach. And I think they made the necessary adjustments to counter everything the Kings were doing. Cause I could be wrong, but I think if a team goes up 70, uh, if the team puts up 70 points in the fourth quarter, or excuse me, if the team puts up 70 points in the first half, a coach is going into the locker room going, you know, they, they're not going to keep that pace. They're not going to keep that pace late in the third quarter. And they're not, not going to keep that pace in the fourth quarter. Just keep it close, play better defense, and you know you run over whatever nuances you go over during practice. You run over whatever schemes going on during in practice. You run over, uh, you have no film, you know, g- going into your first preseason game of the season. But you do know, well, this team played really fast last year. Their new head coach has said they're going to play even faster this year. So you have an idea of what they're going to do. I thought Nate McMillan made the necessary adjustments. He forced the Kings into, uh, they forced the Kings into a lot of turnovers there in the second half. And ultimately, the Pacers went on to win that game. The game on Saturday, eh, I don't really know what to do with that one. Um, I felt like that was more of a, you've been in India for, I guess at that point, maybe five days. You know you want to practice. You know you played an overtime game. I don't even think there should be overtime games. And I get giving the fans, you know, extra basketball, particularly there in India. And I thought the crowd that they had, you know, which was predominantly kids there on that Friday game, that was awesome. I thought everything they did was just absolutely fantastic. But from a player's perspective, from an NBA perspective, do you really have to? Can't you just go like, hey, good run, guys. Let's let's throw, you know, the balls into the stands and Wave to everybody, and let's get out of here. Like, do you really need to play the extra five minutes? But, the, you know, they did, and I thought Saturday's game was more of a, let's 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 get through the game. Let's get out of here. I mean, with that said, De'Aaron, Buddy, like those guys played a lot more minutes than I expected in that in that Friday game, or excuse me, in that set. They played a lot more minutes than I expected in both games, but after, the, after that overtime game, I thought, you know, you saw uh, Harrison Barnes think he played 16 minutes on Saturday. That's what I expected from Bagley, De'Aaron. I expected all of them to play about 16 minutes. I thought we were going to get a heavy dose of, like, Kyle Guy, you know, and Yogi Ferrell. And, and to a certain degree, we did. Uh, but, you know, De'Aaron still, you know, Buddy, put, well, he was pushing 30. 
But 28 minutes for him, 26 minutes for De'Aaron. Again, it was more than I thought they were going to play coming off of that Friday game. And, you know, whatever. I, 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 look, I look a lot more at, that, at, at the first game against the Pacers than I do this, the second one because I think they were ready to, to, to get out of there. They're ready to get home. I know that they're home now. I don't, I, don't know what the, uh, I don't know what the schedule looks like for them. I have to imagine this is just a guess on my part, and I don't know this for sure. I haven't gotten this uh, confirmed by anybody within the Kings or with the media outlet. I assume they're going to be off today, uh, maybe do some rehab stuff, some stretching stuff, some stuff to eliminate jet lag. I would think they're just out of the building tomorrow and they don't even have to see each other. And then they're back at it on Tuesday and they got to get ready for the Phoenix Suns coming up here on Thursday. Uh, a couple of other notes to take away uh, from these two games. And you can argue whether this is something that's concerning to you or, or, or it's not, is the fact that they gave up 262 points in two games. I would think that has to be a bit concerning. Not because Luke Walton started his, you know, three practices or whatever it was with defense. Uh, not because they went to the podium on media day and they were talking about defense, defense, defense. And you heard Buddy talking about defense. And you, you heard about Harrison Barnes talking about defense and, and, the, and, the, and the commitment to the, to the other side of the ball. Again, they barely practiced before heading off to, to India. You, you kind of revert to what you do best in those situations. You're out there. Uh, you haven't gotten to practice a lot. Well, what do we know? Well, we know we can run. We know offense. We know Buddy can shoot threes. Let's just do that. We'll figure out the defensive thing later. But still, you look at giving up 130 points uh, and 132 points uh, on consecutive days, like ah, that, that has a lot of that's a lot of points. It's one thing to give up 132 when you're scoring 131. It's another thing to give up 130 when you're scoring 106. That's bad defense. That's bad offense. That's just a bad night of basketball. Some other concerns, uh, far more than the amount of points that they gave up. Uh, one bigger concern for me is that they were out rebounded by 17 on Friday. And they were out-rebounded by 16 on Saturday. Uh, there was not a double-digit rebounder in sight. And that's a problem. Uh, it's a problem for Marvin Bagley. It's a problem uh, for Dwayne Dedman. I, I, I have to believe that you know the starting lineup that we saw in both of these games is going to be the starting lineup that we see in game number one of the regular season. And I need to see Marvin Bagley have double-digit rebounds. Because if he doesn't, and Dwayne Dedman doesn't, then some of y'all are going to have to be mad at him because this is what you hated about really Willie Cauley-Stein, right? You hated Willie's ability, and I, I know I hated this. I, I was, I've, I'm, I'm still fascinated by you know Willie being able to jump out of the gym to catch an alley-oop, but it's like he's stuck in mud, if you will, to get a rebound. I've always been fascinated by that. If you're not able to have a four or a five get double-digit rebounds, I have to imagine some of you are going to be pretty upset with that. I think Marvin Bagley is a double-double guy. I've, I've, I, I said it in the middle of last year. I, I said it, you know, when he was regularly, you know, playing 30 minutes a game and getting, you know, 20-plus and 12 rebounds. I, I, hey, this, this is what this guy does. You've been wondering who was going to be the player to replace DeMarcus Cousins' numbers. Well, there it is. Marvin Bagley is 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 going to be able to replace DeMarcus Cousins' numbers. He's a potential all-star on this team. He's one of three potential all-stars on this team. 
it's going to be difficult. It's really, really difficult to make the all-star team in the West. And I wonder if Marvin Bagley has the best shot just because of the position that he plays. But five rebounds ain't going to do it. So that was that's a bigger concern to me than the than the turnovers because that that's going to happen. Uh, hopefully, it doesn't happen regularly. And you have to believe as the season goes on that your team becomes more disciplined rather than less disciplined. And you know those twenty two turnovers become twelve. You know over a stretch of time, and then those those twenty twos or those eighteens or whatever those are those are few and far between. Uh, but the bigger concern that I had was 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 rebounding, uh, not just not having a double digit rebounder, but the uh, the the volume in which they were out rebounded on both nights, or in our case uh, on the West Coast, uh, both both mornings against the against the Indiana Pacers again out rebounded by seventeen and out rebounded by sixteen. I do have concerns about the decrease in scoring from each quarter. Uh, as I said, I, I'll give Nate McMillan and the Indiana Pacers a, a, a lot of credit for what they did on Friday to make adjustments to what they did in that first game to make adjustments because I think that really accounts for the decrease in scoring that we saw, 39, 33, 25, and 21. Obviously, overtime is a little bit different, so I'm not really going to factor that in. Obviously, it was less points, but it doesn't really count because of the amount of time that they played. Same thing happened through quarters number one, two, and three. On Saturday, and I, you know, until I see differently, I wonder, is this a team that can't keep up with the pace that they try to set in the first quarter? Because we heard, we we, we heard player after player, coach after coach say, it's really difficult to keep up with them. And, you know, early in here in the preseason, I, I wonder, like, is it difficult for them to keep up with themselves? Like, can they not hold that pace that they desperately want to establish, that teams are going to be ready for, by the way. The Sacramento Kings aren't catching anybody off guard this year. They know what Buddy Heald can do. They know how fast De'Aaron Fox is. They all watched Bogdan Bogdanovich and what he did. And so there's a, huh, okay. We know how to deal with this now. We know how to attack this. Like Nate McMillan knew how to do it, in, in my opinion. Nate McMillan knew how to do it in the middle of a game. They got to halftime, and he said whatever he said, and you saw that team come out and take a different approach. They really slowed things down a little bit, and I think that ultimately frustrated the Sacramento Kings because the Pacers, not only did they slow things down, but they continued their trend because there are some people who think, well, when you're going to play as fast as the Sacramento Kings are, you're going to be out-rebounded all the time because your 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 goal is to get back down the court as quickly as possible. So maybe you're sprinting down the floor when you could, should be crashing the boards. And the Pacers slowed the game down on Friday and still just continued to out-rebound them. The Kings couldn't establish a pace. And if that becomes a trend, if, 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 if I'm right, and I have no idea if I am or not, but if Nate McMillan made the necessary adjustments in that first game, and that is ultimately what slowed the Sacramento Kings down, at least to a certain degree. What makes you think that there aren't more coaches in the league that are going to be able to do that? Because the Kings are going to have to win games this year where they can't keep that pace. And I think we we certainly saw them do that last year. We saw them win a handful of games in which, well, they were ugly. Like the games weren't good. The one that always comes to mind first is the Detroit game. The Kings had no business winning that game in Detroit when Buddy Heald hit that buzzer beater. Their buzzer beater was trash. 
But he knew it was trash. They all knew it was trash. They knew they played like crap. That's why they ran the hell out of Michigan. But I don't feel like there were very many of those. I don't feel like there were many more. Oh, gosh. Good teams, you know, they can struggle. They can they can be off of their game plan. Like, they don't do... they. They didn't do tonight what they do best, but they won. And again, the Kings did have those moments last year, but they were few and far between. They need to have more of those moments. Sure, you want the Kings to be able to establish pace every single game. They're not going to be able to. Or they can establish the pace, but the shots aren't falling. They're going to have to find other ways to win games, and those other ways are going to be defensively. They're going to be on the boards. And if, you, if you're shooting poorly or you, that team is eliminating you from getting up and down the court, fine, don't turn the ball over. So you have to start finding other categories. You have to start finding other things that the Sacramento Kings can do well in order to not lose games in which the pace isn't there. Or perhaps the pace disappears in the third or fourth quarter. Like the pace disappears in the fourth quarter against the Indiana Pacers on Friday? No problem. Hang on. Don't turn the ball over. Find the hot hand, find a way to win. So they weren't able to do it. Again, two and a half days of practice, two games into preseason, an 18-hour flight away. Eh, let's see what happens on Thursday. Uh, I think it's against the Phoenix Suns at the Golden 1 Center. Let's, let's, let's see what happens there. You know, a couple of honest takeaways, man, as we wrap things up. And again, appreciate you so much uh, for being here. Make sure you subscribe, download. Uh, make sure you tell all your friends about this, about the Sacramento Kings podcast. I think one thing that, that Kings fans should be really happy about is that the pace is still there. And I had genuine concern as to whether it would be. Because, I, I mean, it's difficult. It's, it's easy for a coach to say, well, this is what we're going to do. This is what we're going to do. But can they implement it? Where all the players buy into it. Another thing that I think is really great for the Kings is they seem to all love and embrace Luke Walton as, as their coach. And that's not something that we saw from Dave Yeager. You could argue that Dave Yeager was fired for his lack of people skills more than anything else. Uh, Dave Yeager's kind of an awkward personality guy. He's, he's a little bit different. And you never heard, or at least I didn't, and you could certainly correct me if I'm wrong, I never heard, uh, oh man, Buddy and, and, and De'Aaron and, and, and Dave Yeager, they were joking around after practice. Or I'd never heard De'Aaron go, yeah, I love the way that Dave Yeager does this. Or I love the way Coach does, does this. I never heard that last year. They didn't say anything negative about him. But you never heard any praise. Now perhaps, like I know that. And you know that. Which means every other media member in Sacramento knows that. So when those questions are thrown out there during media day or, or, or interview time... Perhaps that's why, because you're trying to get that soundbite that we haven't gotten before. You're trying to get Bagley or De'Aaron or, or anybody to talk about, oh, no, we, we, we love Luke Walton. We, we, we love the system that he has. Uh, we love the relationship that he's established with us. Uh, we've loved our time together, our team dinners, all of that stuff. Like you're getting those, you're getting those messages from players that you, that you didn't get before. And I do think that matters. I'm sure there are plenty of players in the league who play or have played for coaches that they didn't like, but were really successful. But I feel like when you love and respect your coach or, or in your case, in our case, like when you love or respect like your boss, I know for, for like 
program directors that I've had in the past, uh, or even, you know, people above program directors or the people above them. Like if I want to, like, if, if I respect you, I will run through a wall for you. Like I will do like whatever you want me to do to make sure we're successful. I'm going to do it, man. It's a lot harder to do that when you don't respect the person, when you don't respect the people who have titles that, that, that make them your boss or put them above you. When you don't respect those people or you don't think they're doing their job well, it's really difficult to put your head down and run through a brick wall because you know that's going to hurt. Like nobody wants to do that. Nobody just wants to go crash their head into their brick wall, especially, you know, you ain't going to be thanked for it. You know, you're not going to be praised for it. You know, you're not even going to be giving up a thumbs up or a high five or anything like that. So it's, it's, it's difficult. So the fact that these guys are willing and open to come out and say, yeah, no, we love playing for nah, coach. That's our guy. That's a guy. I think there's another good takeaway here through the first week of practice, the first couple of games of preseason media day and all of that different stuff. Uh, another takeaway here from the first two preseason games is while the pace is there, defense is not, um, not that the Kings have never been a great defensive team, but 262 points on back-to-back nights. Uh, I think there's a little bit more at play than a new coach and an 18 hour flight and the time adjustment and all that. I think there's a little bit more at play than that. And if I'm Luke Walton and I'm that coaching staff, like I'm, I'm concerned. Like, I, hey, we need to address this. Now, I understand that we didn't have a lot of practice time, and I understand we traveled, you know, 18 hours across the country. Like, I know, but we that that can't we can't do that. Like, that can't be us. We've got to fix that. And if my you know timeline is correct, and they wind up resuming practice on Tuesday, I'm I'm going to guess that they're going to be resuming uh, just as they started training camp with a bunch of with a bunch of defensive drills and a bunch of defensive work. I don't know that this is a takeaway, uh, but I'm going to throw this out there for you. And if you want to respond, I've got a 24 seven text line. You could connect directly with me anytime you want to nine one six eight 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 fifty eight ninety eight. Again, it's nine one six eight 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 fifty eight ninety eight. After watching Nemanja Bialica, and you know, we, I, th- I think we're all under the assumption that Dwayne Dedman is going to start, barring injuries or, or anything along those lines. What do you think Harry Giles is going to fit into this? Because I don't think we have a clear, we don't have a clear, like, this is why Harry Giles didn't go to India. Now, we speculated, like, oh, if Harry Giles, because, I, you know, I, I heard people write, I think uh, somebody asked, Jason Jones on The Athletic did a Q&A uh, for Kings fans, and I think someone asked him about Harry Giles, and he said, my guess is if, you know, Harry wasn't going to play, why bother taking him to India, let him stay here and get healthy? And my thought was, mm no. Like, if you knew Harry wasn't going to play, like, that's one thing. But this trip is a really big deal. And I, I can't, I don't think I can overstate that. Like, those pictures that the team took in front of the Taj Mahal, I'm going to be guessing they're going to hang around the practice facility for a long time. Like you may see, you you know, you may see those pictures hanging at the Golden One Center. You're going to see video features on it all year. Probably at the, you know, very beginning of the year, you're going to hear uh, NBA, uh, you know, NBA on TNT and ESPN, NBA's crew. You're going to hear them talk about the Kings trip to India because it was the first one. You're going to hear them talk about it from the Pacers perspective as well. But we know that Vivek Ranadive was the one behind this and Harry Giles wasn't a part of it. Now, I don't think Harry Giles was left here like, oh, man, we're done with Harry, dude. Just stay here. Like, no, I don't, I don't think that was the case. 
I think there might be some concern about what I, I, I don't know if it's his knee. I think they said there was an MRI on his knee or, or if it's his thigh or if this is dating back to what happened in March or, you know, this is just uh, some residuals from injuries that he's had in the past. Like, I, I'm not really sure what it is, and I'm not sure that the Kings are sure. And that leaves me confused and concerned. Where is he going to fit in this? I really like Rashawn Holmes. Uh, he didn't play on on um, Saturday. Uh, he was labeled like I think he had a, a sore left, a sore left groin. But he played a little bit on uh, Friday. Excuse me, and I loved his energy. Absolutely loved his energy. And and that's kind of what we had heard. That's what we had always heard about Rashawn Holmes is that he is a a high energy guy. He's going to go after everything. He's going to bust his ass. And, and if he is on your team, you're going to know his name and you're going to love him. I can see that already. And that, 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 that much is crystal clear. So now you have suddenly, you know, suddenly it's crowded in, in, in the five spot. Suddenly it's crowded in the four or five spot. It's like, where, where does Harry Giles fit in this? And now with that much depth, of course you can assuming, you know, none of those guys fall on their face and I don't think any of them will, with that much depth, you you have the ability to to take your time with Harry Giles. And if Harry Giles isn't ready for the first game of the season, that's okay. If he's not ready for the second game of the season, that's okay. But at what point is it like, well, you know, Harry's not going to really, barring an injury, Harry's not going to really factor into what we're doing here in those with our bigs. And it's easy for me to ask all of these questions because Harry Giles didn't play. Like, he didn't play, he didn't travel. He wasn't a part of anything that we saw on social media. So it's really easy to ask these questions now. It could be these questions may all be answered and eliminated by Thursday. But I have concerns just because it's it seems like no one's really just out and out telling us what's going on with Harry Giles. And you could correct me if I'm wrong. I don't think anybody flat out said why Harry isn't going to India other than uh, he's going to, you know, stay back in rehab or something. I don't even know that they said that. I don't know if those, those just weren't, you know, conclusions that we drew or, or maybe uh, uh, different media asked questions and it was just kind of throw out there. Yeah. He's going to, he's, he's, he's going to stay back and get healthy. Okay. Like healthy from March or healthy from like three years ago. Cause he thought he was ready to go. He said on media date, oh, I'm ready to go. How much has Harry practiced over the course of the last few days? I, I have so many questions. So many of them center around Harry Giles. But they'll be answered in time. They'll be answered uh, as the week progresses. I had mentioned here as we started the show, I'm going to try to get Aaron Bruski on with me here sometime this week. Also, with the game Thursday, I'm thinking this was my plan during the regular season. With uh, On game nights, uh, I would try to get a podcast out that night so you would have something to listen to uh, either uh, shortly after the conclusion of the game or uh, first thing the next morning, you could get your thoughts on the Sacramento Kings. Uh, I might experiment with that uh, coming up this Thursday. So again, make sure you subscribe. If you are a subscriber, uh, make sure you rate and review the show as well. It takes a split second to hit those five stars on Apple Podcasts. Uh, it takes about a minute or two if you want to leave a review. Either way, uh, we'd greatly appreciate it. I know a ton of you are listening on Apple Podcasts and you haven't hit those five stars yet. I don't know what you're waiting for. We got an archive of, sh- of shows that you can go uh, listen to and catch up on here uh, before the regular season gets here. Cause once the regular season gets here, man, we are off and running. So it's really important 
to subscribe, rate, and review, particularly there on Apple Podcast. Again, tell all your friends. If you want to connect uh, with the show, there's many ways you could do it. The best way, uh, 24-7 text line, 916-888-5898. Comes directly to me, comes directly to my phone, 916-888-5898. Of course, you could connect on social media as well, at Damian Barling on Twitter, Damian Barling on Instagram, Damian Barling on Facebook as well. If you're into daily sports talk outside the realm of the Sacramento Kings, you can check out the podcast with Damian Barling on these very same podcast platforms. Wherever you are listening to this podcast, whether it's Google Play, Spotify, iHeart, Podbean, Apple Podcast, uh, you can listen to the podcast with Damian Barling. Just search my name and you'll have no trouble finding it. Appreciate you so much for listening here to the Sacramento Kings podcast presented by Hoopball in the Hoopball Podcast Network. We'll see you next time. What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission? At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders, from ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities. CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers.